Chapter one, before breakfast. Where's Papa going with that ax? said Fern to her mother as they were setting the table for breakfast. Out to the house, replied Miss Zerable. Some pigs were born last night. I don't see why he needs an ax, continued Fern, who was only eight. Well, said her mother, one of the pigs is a runt. It's very small and weak and will never amount to anything. So your father has decided to do away with it. Do away with it, shrieked Fern. You mean kill it? Just because it's smaller than the others? Mrs. Arabelle put a pitcher of cream on the table. Don't yell, Fern, she said. Your father's right. The pig would probably die anyway. Fern pushed the chair out of the way and ran outdoors. The grass was wet and the earth smelled of springtime. Fern's sneakers were sopping by the time she caught up with her father. Please don't kill it, she sobbed. It's unfair. Mr. Arable stopped walking. Fern, he said gently, you will have to learn to control yourself. Control myself, yelled Fern. This is a matter of life and death. And you talk about controlling myself? Tears ran down her cheeks. She took a hold of the axe and tried to pull it out of her father's hand. Fern, said Mr. Arable, I know more about raising a litter of pigs than you do. A weakling makes trouble. Now run along. But it's unfair, cried Fern. The pig couldn't help being born small, could it? If I had been very small at birth, would you have killed me? <laughs> oh my God. Drama queen. <laughs> That was an excerpt from Charlotte's Web by E.B. White, and this is Books That Raised Us. I'm Alana Shapiro, an educator and mom whose best friends were books for most of my childhood. And I'm Esty Shapiro, a designer and writer and currently in grad school at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. And before we actually get into it, I just want to acknowledge that it is now like established canon that this podcast which is presumably about books is actually about runs uh, well we're going to talk about that <laughs> so this one was my pick I reread this book and you did it what do you remember about it oh I mean this one's so vivid like it's it's Charlotte's Web it's a classic and it's <laughs> the story of a little girl named Fern whose family has a farm and they have um, pigs and there's a teeny tiny pig named Wilbur who uh, Fern essentially like raises as a pet um, and then there's a spider named Charlotte who uh, spins words into her webs that uh, save Wilbur's life Cause, oh because he's like competing for like a he's in like a pig competition at a county fair <laughs> and she spins these like uh, adjectives in her web over his stall to like make it sort of a novelty and people come from all over to see it and it's a whole thing yeah so of course you remember the book really well um it is a classic I don't know of very many people who get through childhood without reading Charlotte's Web at some point or another 
but it's the story of Fern who and Wilbur. Um, and you're right, Wilbur's a runt. And I'm realizing that <laughs> books that raised us, we tend to gravitate towards a lot of books about runs. Um, and I realized in that opening passage, maybe in some ways why I as a child was so attracted, I guess, to, to books about runs. So Fern says, well, if I was small and I was, you know, weak when I was born, would you have killed me? And, you know, I was born over a month premature in the early 70s and spent my first two weeks of life in an incubator um, with very underdeveloped and unhealthy lungs and trying to get to a healthy place so I could be a thriving human being. And, and I think when I reread that, that moment <laughs> just made me realize why maybe we're a little obsessed with, or I was at least a little obsessed with books about runts <laughs> when I was little because I kind of was one um <laughs> See, but, you and Clifford and Wilbur exactly. just like a whole little squad exactly the rent squad I like that rent squad I'm in it the like hashtag rent squad could be a thing now <laughs> um, anyway so um Wilbur is a runt and you're right um she convinces her dad not to kill him uh, and she raises him like a pet and um, he actually goes to live with her uncle at the Zuckerman's farm um, and she goes and she visits him every day and he grows up on the bigger farm with uh, you know geese and sheep and horses and um, a rat and all these other farm animals. Templeton, exactly. And, um, and eventually they um, realize, Wilbur realizes that, and Fern realizes that um, Zuckerman, the, the farmer, is kind of fattening him up for winter so that um, he can be slaughtered <laughs> to, to become meat. And um, that's where Charlotte comes in to, to rescue him. Charlotte is his friend, a, a spider who lives in the barn. And, um, and she does, she, she weaves, she starts out with um, the word some pig. And then she does these seri this series of, of words in her webs to describe how wonderful and amazing Wilbur is. And then they do at the end of the book, they go to the fair and um, that's a big deal. Also um, in terms of kind of saving Wilbur's life and, um, you know, spoiler alert, um, he, he wins, he wins first place at the fair and, and his life is spared. And then he doesn't have to worry about getting slaughtered to become, you know, bacon and ham um, that winter. <laughs> and, um, and it's all because of Charlotte, his best friend. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you stopped short of like the real tragedy, but we'll get there. I'm <laughs> we'll get there. Okay. Um, <laughs> when did this book come out and when did you read it? Yeah. So the book is old. It came out in the 1950s. It was published in 1952 originally. Um, but I read it in probably third or fourth grade. So very early eighties, um, like 1980, 1981, something like that. Um, 
but yeah, it's, it's a classic. And so I think most kids um, at some point in their, in their school career have read this book. I know as a teacher, we've, we've read it um, at our school, typically around third grade or so um, many, many times (laughs) I did. It always causes a lot of crying. And so (laughs) we do have to sort of prep the kids for, for Charlotte's Web and, and the end, because the end is, is sad. Um, Have your school counselor on call. <laughs> totally, totally. It was funny, actually, a few years ago, I had a kindergarten teacher who, who wanted to read it as a read aloud. And I was like, no, you can't. Not with the babies. <laughs> they can't quite handle the tragedy of Charlotte's Web yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because it's, it's hard even for for third, for eight-year-olds, let alone five and six-year-olds. Mm-hmm. For sure. Are there parts that um, surprised you rereading it? Had you forgotten anything? Um, so a couple things. One, um, I guess, you know, it's been a while since I read it. And I forgot just what a beautiful writer he is. Um, his descriptive language is just and he just throws it in there in pieces like, you know, when she's running across the in that little intro when she's running across the yard to pull the axe out of her dad's hand. He talks about, you know, the the grass was wet with the earth and the earth smelled of springtime. And it's just this vivid imagery all throughout the book. Um, there's this one, you know, I. I was generally not so much for farms when I was a kid, but um, there was this, there's this one passage that I'm going to read to you about a swing that Mr. Zuckerman has uh, in his barn. And it, it literally made me want to like tell my family, let's go be farmers and move, <laughs> move to the farm. <laughs> oh um, Mr. Zuckerman had the best swing in the county. It was a single long piece of heavy, heavy rope tied to the beam over over the north doorway. At the bottom end of the rope was a fat knot to sit in. It was arranged so you could swing without being pushed. You climbed a ladder to the hayloft. Then holding the rope, you stood at the edge and looked down and were scared and dizzy. Then you straddled the knot so that it acted as a seat. Then you got up all your nerve, took a deep breath and jumped. For a second, you seemed to be falling to the barn floor far below, but then suddenly the rope would begin to catch you and you would sail through the barn door going a mile a minute with the wind whistling in your ears and hair. Then you would zoom upward into the sky and look up at the clouds and the rope would twist and you would twist and turn with the rope. Then you would drop down, down, down out of the sky and come sailing back into the barn, almost into the hayloft, then sail out again, not quite so far this time, then in again, not quite so high, then out again, then in again, then out, then in. Then you jump off and fall down and let somebody else try it. Like, it's just, you can picture, like, it's, it builds such a beautiful picture in your mind in this thing that actually, I mean, I'm imagining my eight-year-old self, I would have been terrified of that. But the way he describes it was so beautiful. And like, 
so captivating that I, you know, I wanted to go live on Mr. Zuckerman's farm. Um, <laughs> so I could ride the, the swing in the barn. Um, so that was one thing that I just, I kind of forgot how beautiful the, the book is written, how beautifully the book is written. Um, but also just how awesome Fern is, you know, you, you described her as dramatic or, you know, drama when she, when she, um, stood up for, for Wilbur. Um, and I, I always liked Fern as a character, but she certainly wasn't my favorite character or, you know, anything like that. Um, but she is, she's like this little, you know, warrior <laughs> who fights for, for the downtrodden and the runts. And so um, I loved seeing that in her um, this time when I wrote, read it. And I also, honestly, I forgot how completely depressed Wilbur is during parts of the book. Um, it's really sad. It's just like the way he, he, you know, when he first moves to Zuckerman's farm and he's not, he doesn't have fern with him all the time anymore. And he doesn't have any friends and he's so lonely and he wants the goose to play with him and the sheep to play with him and the rat to play with him and nobody wants to play with him. And he's just so lonely and so sad and so depressed. And this goes on for a few chapters and he's, um, it's just really, it's so sad <laughs> watching him kind of wallow and, and uh, to the point where he stops, he stops eating and the, the farmhand notices and, and they, you know, they try and take care of him and, and try and get him to, to eat again. And then, um, you know, and then Charlotte comes into his life <laughs> and um, he makes this friend and she, you know, she's, she's not like gushy and, and, you know, lovey in kind of a typical way, but, but she loves him and she believes in him and she often kind of knows how to speak to him or what to say to him to, to build his confidence and to help him understand um, that he's, he's valued and he's worthy and he's wonderful. And, and it's just, it's beautiful. So when you said he's sad, is he like aware in the book of like, what is happening? Like that he's sort of on the, the slaughter block, so to say, or not in the beginning, like in the beginning, when he first moves to the Zuckerman's farm and he's lonely, he's just lonely. He's sad and he's alone and he, he misses Fern and he misses, you know, the way he was raised in the, you know, as a, a baby pig. Um, and he feels very trapped. <laughs> um, there's mm -hmm. a whole thing about he just goes in the barn and then out of the barn. And then he goes back in the barn and back out of the barn. And, and that's his whole life. Um, and one of the other farm animals, I can't remember it might be that goose, but I don't remember. Um, one of the other farm animals encourages him to break out to like, there's like a, a, a break in the fence and he gets out and he runs down the thing. And 
Lurvy has to go chase him down and, and catch him and it's a big deal um which is like exciting for the moment but then he comes back and he's still kind of sad and lonely. Oh it's it's really he's like an eeyore kind of <laughs> he's just really sad um for for part of the book until you know until charlotte comes into his life and and um you know, I think that that power of of friendship and love is just really getting a little clumped, but is really a powerful theme in this in this book and and really special. Yeah, that's so sweet. I don't remember that part at, at all. I, yeah, I honestly did. Like I was reading, I was like, wow, he's really depressed. <laughs> he's a depressed pig. Um, yeah. Hmm. That's so, yeah, that's so interesting. Do you have, um, did you have a favorite part like growing up or do you have a favorite part on rereading the book? Yeah, so it's, it's kind of funny that, so I, I love Charlotte. She's always been my favorite character in this book because um, she's smart and she's loving and I just I like her a whole lot. Um, but there's a little bit on this reread, there's a kind of a surprise favorite character that I never really thought much of before. Um, there's a, a doctor who Fern's mom goes to, cause Fern is, you know, a lot in her head and very fanciful. And she comes home talking about how, you know, Charlotte said this and Wilbur said that and the goose said this and the and so I think her mom is worried about her and that she's kind of having a break with reality and so she goes to the doctor and she talks to Dr. Dorian um, about about Fern and and this one passage is is really sweet to me and um, she says Mrs. Arable fidgeted. Fern says the animals talk to each other, Dr. Dorian. Do you believe animals talk? I never heard one say anything, he replied, but that proves nothing. It's quite possible that an animal has spoken civilly to me and that I didn't catch the remark because I wasn't paying attention. Children pay better attention than grown-ups. If Fern says that the animal in Zuckerman's barn talk, I'm quite ready to believe her. Perhaps if people talked less, animals would talk more. People are incessant talkers. I can give you my word on that. <laughs> and it was, you know, just a, a different, just a reframing, I guess, of, um, of Fern and what she's going through and Mrs. Arabelle's worries about her and Dr. Dorian's realization that, you know, children see the world really differently than grown-ups and you know sometimes oftentimes we we question that or we think that's um incorrect or the wrong way or messed up or pathological or whatever and if we really kind of sat back and had the openness of children um when taking in the world around us, um, the world might be 
whole lot better a place to live in. That's beautiful. I feel like too, I mean, even like, okay, you can take or leave the like animals talking, right? Like this, right. this is fiction, but I, I feel sure. like I think it says a lot. And this book in general says a lot about like empathy and like, um, I don't know. I wonder sometimes about um, sort of instinct versus like a learned social response in that regard. And like, um, yeah, I do think we need to like teach children, you know, how to like be kind and, and, and that parts of empathy are sort of a learned response, but also like in this book. And I think in, in real life, like the ways that children, um, often interact, especially with like animals or other like living creatures is, um, yeah, just really like really touching and really sweet. Yeah, no, it's true. And I think, you know, it's interesting to me too, when, when Wilbur first moves to Zuckerman's farm and he wants to make friends with everybody and he's asking the, the sheep, will you play with me? And the goose, will you play with me? And the rat, will you play with me? And everything. And they're all so resistant to that because, you know, he's a child, like he's young and he wants to play and he's a pig and they're, you know, the goose has eggs to tend to and the, <laughs> the rat has to go out and find his dinner and, and um, you know, none of them are interested because they're so different, I guess, and in different stages of life and different species. And, um, and that's what changes when he meets Charlotte. And at first he's, kind of disgusted by her because she you know catches a fly and eats it and he's appalled by that and 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 scared of it and he thinks of her as this like bloodthirsty monster and then he gets to know her and realizes how loving and friendly and compassionate and beautiful and wonderful she is um and it is you know, it's just this like allegory almost for, um, for seeing beyond the differences, you know, mm -hmm. and really building empathy and building love and respect and kindness um, between people or whatever who are different than you. Yeah. But, you know, when I was eight, I probably took in on some level, but in a very different way than rereading it as an adult. Yeah, it makes me think too, I feel like in some ways, um, you know, this book is like a story about a child, like coming to understand like, or grapple with mortality. And like, that's also like what it does for its young readers in so many ways. And like, I, I don't know, maybe now is an appropriate time to like yeah. get into like the really devastating ending of this book. But I think sure. um, it's sort of, you know, what you, just what you were saying about like them being at different stages of life and treating Wilbur like a child and not wanting to play with him and like um, not understanding and like the way that like, Charlotte comes in with all this like perspective and insight and these like lessons on like 
you know, different species and this is just the way the world works and it's the circle of life and whatever is, I think, um, you know, that wisdom is like throughout the book. Um, also like you as a read, a young reader almost feel like you're, you're learning with, with Wilbur and with Fern really also like that this is like how, how life goes and that um I don't know like I think I think it's it's obviously always always sort of hanging over Wilbur's head but like can I say it like can I spoil it yeah absolutely like the idea is is ultimately actually like Charlotte saves him and then Charlotte is old and she like gives birth to not gives birth lays spider eggs and then Charlotte dies at end after like spinning this like fantastic web and uh and then she has three little daughters and then they are babies who get to play with Wilbur um and it's like it's devastating but it's like very much like that's sort of supposed to be I think at least supposed to be seen as like the natural order of things right like right like people or animals or spiders or whoever like die when they're old and that's like how it's supposed to happen it doesn't make me cry less when I read that part but like um yeah yeah but I think I don't know I I had never quite thought of it that way but what you were saying about like um the ages and perspectives of the different animals and how that sort of colors their relationships really feels to me like a big theme of this book and like that you know that sort of intergenerational like friendship or understanding it's like really sweet yeah for sure all right well then are we ready for the final question I think so cool how did this book raise you um I like I can't I can't believe I'm saying this but even just talking about the ending of this book I'm tearing up um and it feels very emotional but I guess the way this book raised me is that it taught me that a book can break your heart, like absolutely annihilate you when you are reading it and you can still love it with all of your heart and love the story and want to read it again and experience it over and over, even though literally every time I get even close (laughs) to the end of the book so like those last few chapters when they're at the fair and you know what's coming and and uh Charlotte is you know hinting at being tired and worn out and that kind of thing and and then when she tells Wilbur that she spent the night creating her master bait piece more than any of her webs that she wove for him in this masterpiece is her egg sack that she asks him to take back to Zuckerman's farm with him. And she's gonna, she's gonna stay there at the, at the fair and die. Sorry. No, don't apologize. Uh, It's 
it's so heartbreaking. And, you know, Wilbur throws himself on the ground, sobs and sobs and sobs. And, um, and that's what happens. He very carefully carries her egg sack back and um, it, it sits um, and then it hatches and the very end um, he's so excited because her eggs are hatching but then he realizes as all of the little baby spiders float away in the wind um, that he's lost them too and and you know I think he thought that he would have these you know hundreds of of baby baby charlottes um to live with and to be friends with and they all they all float away in the wind um and he he's shocked by that but then but then you're right three of them um stay behind and they (laughs) they start one of them starts by saying salutations and that's the first thing that charlotte said to wilbur when she met him because they're very verbose they're very (laughs) well-spoken spiders they must be charlotte's um and so you know he meets these three of charlotte's babies that that are going to stay with him and he helps name them and he talks to them about their mom and his memories of her. And it's, it's beautiful and tragic. Yeah. I feel like maybe this goes back to what you were saying about the writing style just being so beautiful, but it really is sort of astounding the way the way this book makes you feel about a spider like (laughs) and I you know I think that's the that's the point at least in part right like but there's just there's something so gentle and so like pure in how how it treats like you know every living thing like right a a little girl and a little pig and a goose (laughs) and a rat and a spider and like Although I do think it's kind of funny. The rat is like, not the villain, but he's like <laughs> the, the sort of rude, sneaky one. Yeah, totally, totally. And it's funny, there was this, there was a cartoon that came out probably in the 60s of Charlotte's Web um, that I watched my whole childhood um, over and over again. And and um, one of one of my favorite scenes from that movie, the the cartoon movie of Charlotte's Web, is the scene. It's a song that Templeton sings. Templeton the rat sings when they um, are getting ready to go to the fair, and uh, it's um, it's all about him, you know, the smorgasbord that is the that is the fair for a rat, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, Will you yeah. sing it for us? I know exactly what you're talking about because my brother and I used to watch that yeah. that cartoon. Like you played it for us, but yeah, I think we're definitely going to need some some Templeton Fair music for sure. 
about there is a veritable smorgasbord, smorgasbord, smorgasbord after the crowds disappear. Incredible. And then it talks about all the things that can be found on the ground yeah. all around. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah. And then doesn't he like eat like a funnel cake and like all the crumbs and yeah. stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And then he ends up like a beach whale. Like he can't move because he's so stuffed from all the fair food. <laughs> Incredible. But he, the reason they take him is so that he can like find a word like go out and find packaging and a word um, for Charlotte to weave into the web at the fair. So he was a necessary tag along. Nice. So little known fact um, for a very long time after I read this book, um, Charlotte's babies are named Joy, Arania and Nellie. And I love the book so much and I loved the name Nellie so much and the idea of carrying on Charlotte's memory that for a long time I thought maybe someday I'll have a little baby and name her Nellie. So you could have been (laughs) Nellie Shapiro. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) But moved on from that phase, I think. I think that was my idea, like when I was in elementary school. Um, so thank goodness by the time I actually bore children, I had gotten over that that phase. But I mean, it wouldn't have been the worst name. <laughs> I still love that name. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. That was Charlotte's Web on Books That Raised Us. Next time, we'll be talking about Upstairs Nana, Downstairs Nana by Tommy DePaula. You can find the show anywhere you listen to podcasts and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. Until then, we're on Twitter and Instagram as at Books Raised Us. Our theme music is by Cooper Kaminsky. Happy reading!